here trying to help you. I'm here to give you what it took me 30, 30 years in ministry to get. I'm starting a new series today. Uh, this series that I've been talking about, I mean, I've been going through a lot of things and it led me to this message. So we want you to get your pencil, get your paper. We're going to go to the book of Titus, uh, chapter 2, verse 11. Titus chapter 2 and verse number 11. Titus chapter 2 verse 11. Let's go right there. We're going to read that. It said, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we shall live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Then he's going to get to some in verse 13. Looking for that blessed hope. Looking for that blessed hope. And that's what we're going to talk about as a series. So we're going to talk about that today as our series, Looking for that blessed hope. Uh, that's going to be in Titus chapter 2 and verse number 13. Read it again. Looking for that blessed hope and for the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify him to himself a peculiar people, zealous of good work. Paul told Timothy, these things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise you. Amen. Let no man despise you. So what I want to do today, I want to, I want to get right into God's word. And we want to share something in God's word with you today. And we're talking about a series, once again, looking for that blessed hope. All right, want to say that with me out there. Looking for that blessed hope. Now. I'm going to be minister on that. That's going to be my series. Now, I want you to really pay attention because the teaching that I'm giving you, looking for that blessed hope, is what people are doing today. And I'm going to show you in the Word of God, this is what happened to the first church or the church at the beginning. All right, which was dominant Jews, which we call the church of God. All right, now, I want to be able to show you this, and I hope you pay attention, because we have been deceived. You know, that's, I, I can't say it no plain on that. We have been deceived, because most of the people that I talk to Believe you're looking for the Lord to come. And if you're looking for the Lord to come, then, you know, I, I, I just can't see where you base your doctrine. Now, I'm going to show you in the Word of God that there's nowhere in the Word of God that told you that we today are looking for the, looking for the Lord to come. So what we do, we take all the scriptures in the Bible, we thank God talking to, the, to us as the body of Christ. 
and is not. So usually when people hear the word of God today, we think we're looking for the world to come, looking for the Lord to come back. Thank you, whatever it was. We think we're looking for the Lord to come back. Well, better. The Lord has already come back to the people he was supposed to come back to. Now, let's pray because I want to get into that because if you are looking for someone, then you are despising someone. If you are looking for someone and someone has already come, then you are not enjoying your salvation. Or let me put it another way. I've been married this Christmas 51 years. Now, if I'm looking for a wife, then I'm despising the one that I have. Do you understand what you're doing? When you say I'm looking for the Lord to come, then you are saying I don't believe he's in me, first of all. I don't believe he has come. And then we're going to show you all the other stuff that you are saying have never happened. Let's pray. Father, we thank you now for your word, your wisdom, your knowledge, your understanding. We thank you for your revelation, your words. And Lord, we thank you for you being our righteousness, our peace, our joy, and the Holy Spirit. And now we ask you to lead us and guide us and help us all to understand and so we can grow together. And we thank you for opening up this word to us. In the blessed name of our Lord Jesus and through your precious blood, we give you all the praise and the glory. And all that agree with their prayer said amen. All right, now, uh, I, I, I know when you say, uh, Mrs. Trump, when you say the Lord has already come, then you got, you got the whole church world who have learned from people who have taught this from other people that they learned from, but nobody took time and went into the Word of God and studied for themselves. And when the Holy Ghost shows you, you can't. I used to teach that. Remember, I've been in ministry 40 years plus. I used to teach Jesus coming until the Lord showed me that he already came. So what I'm going to do today, I'm going to make part one today. Why did, why Jesus, why Jesus came the first time? That's going to be our subject. I want to shout it out out there. Why Jesus came the first time? Now, a lot of people are waiting for Jesus Christ to come again. But we want to clarify first, number one, why Jesus came the first time. Because if I don't get that in my spirit, then I'm not going to appreciate and understanding why he came the second time. Now, I didn't ask you, why is he coming? I said, why Jesus came the first time. Now, I'm talking about 2,000 years ago. Your Bible teaches you that Jesus Christ came here 2,000 years ago. But let's find out why he came. And let's find out who he came to. 
See, I think if you go back and be honest now, but I'm talking about people who are honest. If you're dishonest, you're going to hear this and you're going to go on with, you know, with your own, you don't care what I say. <laughs> you don't care what God say. And I'm going to show you in the Word. If you find out why Jesus came the first time, who did Jesus Christ come to the first time, then we wouldn't have this problem today. I can be teaching on something else. See, the reason why I'm doing this is because religion is teaching the body of Christ that Jesus is coming. Everything they are seeing is always Jesus coming. That's the answer. You know, the wildfires that we're having in California and all up the coast, Jesus coming. Can't you see the plague? Jesus coming. Can you see all this bad stuff happening? Jesus coming. So you got to understand, the key is you're being deceived with that statement. All right, now, I'm going to just give you like so many things because I'm not teaching on looking for that blessed hope today. But I have to give you a little, little of that to get into my message. All right, so just to give you a little bit, like I said, I'm not going not gonna to give you a lot, but, but look at verse number 13 again. Titus chapter 2 and verse 13, just one verse. It said, looking for that blessed hope. Looking for that blessed hope. And the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And then he's going to tell you something that we're going to talk about that he's already done. Like he gave himself that he might redeem us from the iniquity and purify himself of peculiar people. He's already done that. Now, here's a lot of people, the same people, the same people, Miss Crump, that are telling you or that are saying to us about Jesus Christ's first coming, the same people still dealing with sin. The same people, the same people that can't see why Jesus Christ came the first time are the same people still talking about sin. Still talking about sins, still talking about repentance, still talking about water baptism. Because they don't know why he came the first time. So I'm not going to talk about the second coming today. I'm going to talk about why he came the first time. Because if you don't understand why he came the first time, you, you can't see why he came, what happened the second coming. Second coming was not to the body of Christ. He did not come to you the first time. He did not promise you nothing. See, we're thinking the Lord promised, everything God promised us is fulfilling Christ. Let me just show you that first of all. Look at 2 Corinthians. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1. See, you have to understand there's two different teachings in the Bible. There's a beginning church, and then there's the body of Christ. And at the beginning, the, the church or the church of God, which was dominant Jews, they did have some Gentiles come in through Peter and Cornelius' house. There were some Gentiles who were saved during that dispensation. 
But we have to understand that when Jesus came, he came to the Jews. His message was to the Jews. He came to the Jews. His, he called them, I'm going to show you the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So we're going to have to understand this. And they rejected him, and that's why he had to come again. So let's, let's look at this. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and we want to look at one verse, and that's verse 20. 2 Corinthians 1, 20. Now this is the promises. See, there's the promise, then there's the promises. There's the promise as a noun, and then there's a promise what God said he would do. So we got to understand when you deal with the word promise. There's a promise, which is a noun, which is the Holy Spirit. And then there's a promise, what God promised to do, which is an adjective. And then there are promises. Here, I'm showing you promises. The Bible said all the promises of God. How many? All the promises of God. In Christ. Are yes. In Christ. Amen unto the glory of God by us. Now, can you give me that same verse in another version? NLT? Well, we're dealing with NLT today, so let's stay with the NLT. Can I look at that same verse in the NLT? I got my Bible in my hand. 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. And we want to look at just one verse, and that's verse 20 in the NLT. Watch this. All God promises have been fulfilled in Christ. So let's, let's just look at what the Bible said. Not, not talk about what I was taught. See, I was taught a lot of stuff too. I was deceived. I came out and told the church here, I have been deceived. I've been believing what people have been teaching me. That was wrong. But here the Bible said all, we are reading out of the NLT, all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes and through Christ our amen, which means yes, ascend to God for his glory. All right, let's just hold on to that. All God promises, all God promises have been fulfilled. Now, if you still here 2,000 years ago and saying what God going to do, then you don't agree with that verse right there. But let's go a step further. Remember we're talking about a series, Looking for That Blessed Hope, Volume 1. And then Part 1, Why Jesus Came the First Time. That's what we want to show you. Now, let's go and show you something in Acts chapter 26. We're going to read this Acts 26 throughout this whole series because I want you to really hear this. When Jesus came 2,000 years ago, according to Acts 26, according to Revelation chapter 7, he came and he got 12 tribes, which represents all Israel. I want you to make sure you understand that. That's why you have 144,000. Because 
That's what happened 2,000 years ago. Now, if you say that I don't agree with that, Pastor, Christ is still going to come and do that. My question is, where will you get? Now, I'm talking to people who are honest, because some folks just not honest. To be honest means I can say something that's wrong because of ignorance, but if you show me the truth, I can change my mind and say you were right. Here's a, here's a, a check. See, we're checking you out. I'm checking you everywhere you're saying stuff. I'm going to let you know that's a lie. I'm calling you to the table. To say Jesus Christ is coming, you got to have 12 tribes. Now, anybody that believes what you believe, show me 12 tribes. You can't. Show me 12 tribes in Israel. See, what you're trying to do is you're trying to make something happen to make your doctrine right. That's what happened to all these people before us. They lied to us because they believed somebody else and they got too much pride to tell you they were wrong. So all the young preachers today, they believe in that lie because they don't know any difference. But I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to tell you the truth. Jesus Christ came 2,000 years ago. And he came to Israel to fulfill the scripture. So if you say Jesus had not come today, you are saying Jesus had not fulfilled the scripture. And God said all the promise of God have been fulfilled. But that's just one. Acts chapter 26 that's where I want you at right now. Acts chapter 26, and watch what the Word of God says. We're going to start reading verse 4. Acts 26 and verse 4. Let's start there out of the King James. And watch what Paul said. My man of life for my youth. Now remember, Paul is in defense against before King Agrippa. And he's going to say something in his own defense. My man alive for my youth, which was at the first among my own nation, at Jerusalem, know all the Jews, which knew me first from the beginning, if they would testify, Paul says, that after the most straightest sect of our religion. So he calls what he believed in religion, and it was. He said, I lived a Pharisee. I was in religion. But then it said, but now, and now, I stand and I'm judged. Watch why he was judged. I'm judged for the hope of the promise. Watch what it says. I'm judged for the hope of the promise made of God to our fathers. God promise our fathers. See, Christ's coming was promised to the fathers, not to the body of Christ. Let me read it again in verse number six. 
And now I stand and I'm judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers. Now there's only three fathers. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The promise was made to the fathers. And, and then he's going to tell you which promise, verse 7. Our 12 tribes. Now you got to understand, you don't have 12 tribes today. Now, each one, if you go back and count the tribes of Israel, you can go back to the book of Numbers. That's why you have the book of Numbers. They counted all the 12 tribes of Israel in the land. God waited until they were able to fill the whole promised land before he would bring them out of Egypt. So we are talking about 300, 400, 500,000 per tribe, according to the numbers in Israel, for as going back looking in the book of Numbers. So you're looking at 300,000, 400,000, half million, just in one tribe. Because, see, they had to cover the whole promised land, 12 tribes. Now you know, check number one, we don't have 12 tribes today in Israel. Let me read it again. Acts 26, verse 6 and 7. I'm doing this purposely. And now I stand and I'm judged for the hope of the promise made, unto the, made of God unto the fathers, of under which promise our 12 tribe, instantly serving God at that time, they were serving God. When Paul said this, Paul said they are instantly serving God day and night. Hope to come. They were waiting for Christ to come day and night. For which hope, say King Agrippa, I'm accused of the Jews. What else supposed to happen there? He said, why should it be thought of thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead because when he came back his responsibility was to raise the dead and to fulfill 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Shall we go there? I want to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13 and I want to read that out of the NLT. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. See, what you're reading in Thessalonians, and we're going to be reading this also and show you in 2 Thessalonians. If you take your time and read this, then you realize that this has already happened. Watch what he says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Now, you got to really hear what he says in verse 13. We got to read out the NLT. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what would happen to the believers who have died. L let, me, let me talk to you. Paul is saying to the church at Thessalon Thessalonica, to the Thessalonians, we want you to know what would happen to the believers who have died. Now, if Paul is preaching, if I'm talking about people who have died, 
then I can't take that verse and put it way up here where Pastor Crumpet and talk about people who died today. Now, that's common sense, isn't it? That's common sense. If you have died, that's past tense. So he's talking about all the people who died following Jesus. Jesus told them that all those that followed him, though they were dead, yes, sure, they live. Ain't that right? Now, and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to, we, we want you to know what would happen. Now, what's going to happen to all the believers who have died so you would not grieve like people who have no hope? For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again to life, now this is the same thing they talk about in Romans 10, 9, and 10. You confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart God raised Jesus from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Future tense. All right? He says, since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. Think about what he just said. When Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers that are dead. They're going to come back with Jesus. All right? Because we know their souls have was seen around the altar in the book of Revelation. So they're going to come back with Jesus because we're talking about he coming with his saints. The Bible promised that when he come, he's going to come with all his saints. Well, his saints are the ones that have died, but their bodies are in the ground. They're coming back to get their bodies. That's what happened to them in the Old Testament. They had a natural resurrection. You have a spiritual resurrection. Watch what he says again. For since, verse 14, since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also, listen to what Paul's saying, we, 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 because he was waiting on Christ to return also. We also believe in Jesus' return. God will bring back with him the believers who have died. Now that's not what people tell you today. When they're at a funeral today, they'll tell you that same verse today, that that person who are dead, we're going to put him in the ground, and when Jesus comes back, Jesus is going to bring that person with him. That's what they tell you today. That is not what that Bible just says. 2,000 years ago, the person was already dead. And Jesus promised, I'm the resurrection and the life. We'll go there, Romans 11, John eleven twenty five. We'll go there next. We'll look at that next. Let's finish this first. But write that verse down. John eleven twenty five. All right? Now watch what it says. We're in verse 15. We're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 15. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living, talking about 2,000 years ago, we are still living when the Lord's return. Wait a minute. We who are still living when the Lord returns. Now you got to be, come on, you got to be honest now. Like I said, if you're dishonest, you're not going to believe nothing I said. Now if Paul has said we who are living when the Lord returns can't be 2,000 years later. We who are living when the Lord returns. What's going to happen, Paul? 
will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with the command and shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. First, the Christians who have died, see, not talking about you today. The Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Come on, he's talking about the one that followed Jesus Christ. Then, together with them, we who are still alive, talking about 2,000 years ago, you can't put yourself in that. You can't even be dishonest and get in that. Then, all together with them, we who are still alive and remain on earth 2,000 years ago, We'll be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever, so encourage each other with these words. There's no way in the world you can make that into you today and the people in the ground today. Now, let me show you what happens to the people today. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 1. Let's show you what happens to people today. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. See, this is what you read for people today. Most people run on to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and start verse 13. That's not even talking to you. 2,000 years ago, those people was waiting for the coming of the Lord. This is for us today, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, that means a person died today. If you're in Christ, you have a building of God. If you're not in Christ, you don't have a building. And house not made with hands, Remember the first house you have, God made Adam with his own hands. We have a building of God, a house not made with hands, and where's this house? It's eternal in the heaven. I'm going to show you Jesus, Jesus, the man, Christ Jesus, had to come back. And I'm going to show you when he came back and where, where was it when he came back. But we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. But here he told you in, in 2 Corinthians 5, 2, for in this we groan honestly, desire to be closed upon with our house from heaven. House from heaven. He keeps telling you a second time. If so, being clothed, we shall not be found naked. We that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we will be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. He that has wrought us or created us for the self-same thing is God, who also has given to us the honest of the Spirit. All right. Now, that's what happened to a man when he died today. To be absent from the body, he's going to tell you. Therefore, we are always comforted knowing that while we are at home in the body, 
We are absent from the Lord. We walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing, rather, to be absent from the body to be present with the Lord. So what happens when a man die today? His soul leaves the body, absent from the body. He does, soul does not go into the ground with the body. That's Old Testament. Let me say it again. In the Old Testament, man died, his soul went into the ground. New covenant. Now, if you're not saved, your soul is still in the body. So you think about all those people who's being cremated. What if they're not saved? Soul is in the body. But anyway, they're going to be putting a fire anyway, lake of fire. All right, but let's, let's move on because we, we want to continue. Now, I gave you a verse I told you I'm going to show it to you in the Gospel of St. John, chapter 11 and verse 25. Let's go back and look at this verse. See, you're talking about the promise made to the fathers. Watch what God promised them. And I'm going to show you all through the Word of God. He promised them eternal life. Well, that's what happened when Jesus Christ returned. When Jesus Christ returned, he gave them eternal life. I can show you that Peter said that, James said that, Paul said that. They will receive a crown of life when Jesus returned. Well, you don't need to receive life when Christ returns. If you're in Christ today, Christ is your life. See, they were waiting for Christ to return. Why did Jesus come the first time? It's what we're going to eventually get to. All right? Now, John chapter 11, and let's look at uh, verse number 25. Jesus just said to her, thy brother shall rise again. Martha said in verse 24, Martha said, well, I know he's going to rise again in the resurrection, watch this, at the last day. You see that word in the resurrection? Now, if, you, if, you, if you're saved, you can see this because in the resurrection is in Christ. Christ's going to tell her he's the resurrection. So if she believed that Lazarus is going to be raised from the dead in the resurrection, so when were you raised from the dead? Because your Bible told you, didn't it? Your Bible said, if you, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, if you be risen with Christ. So that means that you were risen with Christ and in Christ. All right, now watch verse 25. John eleven twenty-five, 25, out of the King James Version. The Gospel of John, chapter 11, and verse 25. It's what we want to show on the screen. John chapter 11. And verse number 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection. Wait a minute. See, she, she looking at the day. Jesus looking at the person himself. I am the resurrection, watch this, and the life. Now remember, he's both. He's the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. That's what he promised them. Jesus said to those people, he that believeth on me, though you were dead, 
yet shall you live. So they were believing that. They died believing Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God. They died believing. If they, if they died, they're going to live again. So you're telling me that all those people who followed Jesus Christ, who believed in Jesus Christ, is still in the graves in Israel waiting for the Lord to return? See, what you're saying is God didn't keep his promise. That's what you are saying. God did not keep his promise. Let me, show you what, let me show you what you're talking about. Now, look at Hebrew chapter 9. Let me, let me look at this first before I go there. Look at Hebrew chapter 9 and start verse 23. Hebrew chapter 9, verse 23. See, what you're saying is God didn't keep his promise. Why? Because God promised those people, he that believeth in me, though you were dead, yes, shall you live. 2,000 years ago, they're still in the ground. What you're saying is God did not keep his promise. No, you are believing a lie. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 23. For it was therefore necessary that the pattern of things in the heavenly should be purified with these. But the heavenly things themselves were better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands which is the figure of the truth, but in the heaven itself. Now don't forget, where's Christ? Christ is in heaven itself. Why is he there? To appear in the presence of God for us. This is the Hebrews. Tell you what Christ said. Now, Hebrews said Christ was in heaven. Well, let me ask you a question. If I ask you what Christ said, what will you say? See, you're talking to two different people. They knew where he was. Now, I'm going to show you why they said that. Christ is in heaven. Verse 24 again. Christ is not entering to the holy place made with hands, which are the figure of the truth, but in the heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. All right. Let's go to Hebrew chapter 12. We come right back. Write that down. Hebrew 12. 25, we come right back. Go to Hebrew chapter, I'm sorry, we come back to Hebrew 9, 25. Write that down. We're going to go to Hebrew 12, and we want to look at verse 22. Because the Bible told us what Christ said. Now, to the Hebrews, this is what Christ. But when I, try, when I go talk to the Paul about the Gentiles, we're going to see what Christ said. That's what we want to be able to see. Because you got to find out, you believe in the wrong message for the wrong people. So he's showing you what Christ said. Hebrew, Hebrew, chapter, Hebrew chapter 9 just told us, verse 24, Christ has not entered into the holy place made with hand, which are the figure of the truth, but in the heaven itself. All right, let's go see what Christ said. Hebrews 12, 22 is what I want to scream. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 22. Watch what he's going to say. You are not come 
You, I'm sorry, you are come. You are come. So what happened to the Hebrews when a Hebrew got saved? What happened to that Hebrew when they got saved? Here it is. Paul said, you are come to Mount Zion. Well, how in the world they come to Mount Zion when Mount Zion was, was on the earth? He wasn't talking about earth to Mount Zion. See, that's what you got to understand. Everything that God did in the earth, he's already was a miniature or type in the shadow of already what's in the heavens. So he said, you are come unto Mount Zion. You come to the city of the living God. You come to the heavenly Jerusalem. Now that's awesome stuff. Because the word Zion and Jerusalem is the same word. So Christ Jesus, the man Christ Jesus that raised from the dead, what was he when he came back to the Jews? Here, right here. He was in Mount Zion, but he was in the Mount Zion in heaven. He was in the city of the living God. He was in the heaven of Jerusalem. He was where there was a innumerable company of angels. He was where it was the general assembly, the church. Wait a minute, the church was there? The firstborn, which are written in heaven. We know, that's, we know that, right? And to God, you are come to the firstborn. You will come to the general assembly. You will come to the church. You will come to God, the judge of all. And the spirits of just men made perfect. Watch this. And to Jesus. All that together. Jesus in Mount Zion, city of the living God, heavenly Jerusalem, a number of a company of angels, general assembly of the church. Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and through the blood of sprinkling, speaketh better thing than that of Abel. So he told them what Jesus. So when Jesus came back, that's where he was. All right, now, why is that so important? When I finish Hebrew, I'm going back to Hebrew chapter 9, I'm going to finish that. Then I'm going to take you to Romans 11, 25 and 26. Write that down. Romans chapter 11, verse 25 and 26. All right, then you want to put, after that, you want to put that down. Uh, we're going to go back to show you another, another verse when we go there also that I'm going to have to do. Daniel chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. We also want to put that down. Let's finish Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 25. That's where we're at right now. From the book of Hebrews chapter number 9 and verse 25. For yet that he should offer himself often as a high priest in unto the holy place every year with the blood of others. Hebrews chapter 9 now and verse number 26. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 26. For then must he have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now, watch this, once in the end of the world, wait a minute, once in the end of the world, Jesus died in the end of the world? Yeah, end of the age. Hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Okay, why did Jesus come the first time? That's one of the reasons. To put away sin 
by the sacrifice of himself. Now, here the same people, Mrs. Trump, the same people would argue with you about the coming of the Lord is still going to happen. The same people would tell you that Jesus did not get rid of sin. Now, they don't say it that way, but they still are repenting from their sins, asking for forgiveness for their sins, and they still handling sin like it was before Christ died. You still got to get baptized in water in Jesus' name to watch where you're sin. You still got to take communion on first Sunday to get rid of your sin. You still got to confess your sin. All sins, is, sins is, a, is alive and well. Because they don't think Jesus Christ did nothing. Now these same folks are waiting for him to come a second time. You don't even believe he came the first time. Watch what it just says. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 26. For then must he have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once at the end of the world has he appeared, what did he come? To put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Put it away. Put it away. Why don't you put it away? See, what we do is we look at what people do and we call that sin. Now what people do is called the lust of the flesh. See, they need to be renewed in the spirit of their mind. Until a person gets born of the spirit, he's still in the flesh. We are still reading. Hebrews 9, 27. And it is appointed to men once to die, but after this, the judgment. So Christ, watch this, so Christ was, so Christ was, once offered to bear the sins of many. He's already done that. He bears sins in his own body. But do you believe it? Under them that look for him, now, you, are you looking for him? It's nowhere in the world you can honestly look at me, look at the TV, or look at anybody else and say you're looking for the Lord or waiting for the Lord. Not one day have you went to bed waiting on the Lord. Not one night have you went to bed waiting for the Lord. Only time you think about it is the Lord coming when you see some, something very bad is happening in the earth. Now, if there's an earthquake, the first thing you see if you're in it, this is it. Or if you're in an accident or you see an accident or you see a lot of uh, bad weather or bad weather, that's, that's the only time you even think about it. Other than that, you never think about the Lord's coming. So you need to stop them lies. And be for real. And find out what the Bible teaches you. Because it does not teach you the Lord is coming. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 28. So Christ was also once offered to bear the sins of, the, of many under them that looked for him. So, uh, so remember, I'm talking about looking for that blessed hope. They were looking for him. Shall he appear, watch this, the second time without sin under salvation. Why would he say salvation? 
because they was waiting for their salvation. You're not waiting for your salvation, are you? Romans 1.16 told you, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So your salvation is in the word. It's the word, the word of your salvation. But their salvation was a person who will come back 2,000 years ago. All right. Now, I told you I'm going to take you to a couple more things. Uh, I said well, Romans 11, I think one of them. Romans chapter 11, let me show you something. See, see you got to know, you start teaching on Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 9, Romans chapter 10, Romans chapter 11, you're dealing with Israel. And you got to be able to rightly divide the word on most of this Bible is to Israel. So you got to be able to understand, understand the word of God. Let's look at the, the word of God. Romans chapter 11 and look at verse 26. Start verse 25, I'm sorry. I'm going to read that. Romans eleven twenty-five. 25. For I would not have, would not you be ignorant, brethren, of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceit, that blindness in part has happened to Israel, watch this, until the fullness of the Gentile be come in. You don't think that the fullness of the Gentile come in yet? 2,000 years ago? Watch what it says in verse number 28, 26. And so all Israel shall be saved. All Israel. All Israel shall be saved. Now you know you can't, you can't look at what's going on over there now and say all Israel shall be saved. He's talking about all 12 tribes. Remember, I gave you the 12 tribes. All Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion. I just showed you that in Hebrew chapter 12. I showed you that verse 22. In Zion, city of the living God, heavenly Jerusalem. See, there shall come out of Zion, the deliverer, because that's where Christ is in Zion. For the Jews believe at that time. There shall come out, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. You're not Jacob. Jacob is another word for Israel. And Jacob really is before they were saved. And then it says in verse 27, this is my covenant with them. Not you, them. When I shall take away their sin. See, when Christ died on the cross, Christ died for all men to be saved. But he also had a ministry to the people of Israel. And he came back and delivered them from their sins, from their blindness. All right? Now, that's what happened to, to the Jews, all right? Now, let me give you a couple of things because we got a little while. While you're in Romans, look at Romans chapter number 13. Now, I, I need 2 Corinthians 13, I'm sorry. 
2 Corinthians 13. That's what I want to show you. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Yeah, that's what I want. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, I want verse 5. See, you've got to understand the difference between your covenant. Your covenant is a, is a gospel of grace. But since you won't receive your covenant, you're all over in the Israel covenant. That's how people are teaching you. They're teaching you the wrong covenant. They're teaching you that Christ is going to come. I'm going to show you four or five things in just a moment. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, chapter 13, verse 5. Just one verse. Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. This is what Paul said to the church at Corinth. Examine yourself whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know that Jesus Christ is in you. Let, let, let me ask you a question. Where is Jesus Christ? If you are saved today, where's Jesus Christ? Now, my point is, if you are looking for him to come, then you can't use that verse. Here it says, know that you, know you're not your own self, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobate. Now, who did Paul preach this to? He preached it, go to Colossians chapter 1. He preached it to the Gentiles. Gentile had a different covenant than the Jews. The Jews rejected grace. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. And watch what he's going to say in verse number 25. Colossians 1, 25. See, the Jews had a different covenant. They rejected the covenant of grace. So they had to wait for Jesus to return. Colossians chapter 1, verse 25. Paul said, whereof I was made a minister according to the dispensation of God. The dispensation of God is the dispensation of grace. He was made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you. Here it is, to fulfill the word of God. Now that word fulfill the word of God means to finish the word of God. Let me ask you a question. Is the word of God finished? Did Paul finish? Sure he did. The book of Revelation told you that, didn't it? All right. He, verse number 25. He had to fulfill the word of God. He had to finish the word of God. Even the mystery, which has been hid from ages and from generation, but now made manifest to his saints, which was the Jewish believer, to whom God would make known was the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. Paul said, look, we've been preaching this among the Gentiles. It's the Jews who hadn't received it. What well, was it, Paul? This mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. Well, who is Christ in you? He's the hope of glory. He's what the Jews were hoping for. He is the one that the Jews were waiting for. The, the Jews were hoping for. He's already in you. I know he's in me. Anybody know what Christ said? The, is the Lord in you? Let, let me show you a couple of scriptures. Look at some, let me show you in Corinth. Did I tell you to go to where else? 
Look at Daniel chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. See, when he talked about all Israel shall be saved, he wasn't talking about everybody in Israel. Because you know that because you look at Revelation chapter 7, only 144,000 were saved. Wonder why. Wonder why they was 144,000. You know why? Because God told us in Malachi, he the one made up his jewels. He put them all in a book. That's in Malachi. Somebody can find that for me. He said, when I make up my jewels, you ain't got but three chapters in Malachi, so it's not hard to find. Daniel chapter number 12 and verse 1 and 2. At that time, Michael, talking about the time of the end, shall Michael stand up, the great prince, was standing for the children of our people Israel, which he was an angel called Michael. That's not Christ. There shall be a time of trouble called Jacob's trouble. Search has never since there was a nation. And that's why you go to uh, Acts chapter 8, you'll see the great persecution that came upon the church. Daniel, he told Daniel, thy people, Daniel, shall be delivered. There it is. Everyone that shall be written in the book. They're going to be delivered, Daniel, but they got to have their name in the book because only 144,000 going to be in the book. But look at verse number two. What else is going to happen when Jesus comes? 2,000 years ago. This is what I gave you in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13 right here. Many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life. Don't forget that now. He that believeth on me, though he were dead, yes shall he live. They're going to rise to everlasting life but some to everlasting contempt. They were judged and cast into hell because they had rejected God himself through our Lord Jesus Christ. My time is already up. I thank you for yours. I want to make sure we, we, we honor the cross in this place. We glory in the cross. We glory in our Lord Jesus Christ. So here, 1 Corinthians 15 told us Christ died for our sins. He was buried. God raised him again from the dead for our justification. When you save, you save because Christ died for you. Christ died for our sins. He died in our place. He paid for my sin. What do you do the first time? This is what he did. He came and he died for our sins. And God raised him again from the dead for our justification. And gave us a new life in Christ Jesus. My time is already gone. Thank God for his grace, his mercy, his love. Thank God for his cross. My time is already up. I thank God for you. And your faith is open unto you. Thank you for listening to the Dora Faith Ministries podcast. I hope this message was a blessing to you, and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Also, be sure to find us online at www.mydoorfaith.org. That's www.mydoorfaith.org.